Hi, you're listening to the Inside Family Law Podcast, and I'm Zoe Durand, your interviewer. Um, and I'm here today in Richmond with Kate Rafton, who is the founding partner, I believe, of Rafton's Family Law. Um, I'll let Kate introduce herself, though, and I'd like to hear a bit about what you do and the history as well of your firm. Yeah, oh, thanks, Zoe. Um, so basically, um, the firm set up in um, 2008, so over 10 years ago and um, started here in Richmond. This was actually our first office um, in this beautiful heritage building. I was building. Say, it's, it's, I mean, unfortunately, because yeah. it's a podcast, you can't see. Yes. But, but <laughs> listeners, this is, it's beautiful here. It's yes. like, I feel like I'm in a retreat. I know, <laughs> yes, it is. It's a lovely place to come to work, and it is um, a local heritage-listed building um, built in the Georgian era, so it's nearly 200 years old now. Um, so, yeah, it is a lovely place to come to work. So this was the first office, and then, obviously, over the years, as we've grown and expanded into mainly the western suburbs Sydney, uh, we're now up to our fifth office, which opened um, at North Parramatta, was our last one about two years ago. Um, so yes, yeah, so we are mainly Western suburbs based and specialise in family law. So, so where, where do you have offices again? Um, so we've got the Richmond one, which services really the Hawkesbury and that growing corridor through Marsden Park and up through the hills. Uh, we have one um, in Parramatta, right opposite the family court, um, which we call our Parramatta Central or Court Office. Uh, we then have the one at North Parramatta, which is down further um, on the other side of Smith Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have one out at Glenmore Park, mm-hmm. which services out towards that growing um, yeah. western yeah. corridor of um, up past the Northern Road and Penrith and that area. And also one at St Clair, which mm-hmm. is right near St Mary's and that Blacktown sort of um, interlink. Um, so all of them are very much residential based except for the Parramatta offices that are obviously in the city of Parramatta but they all are are quite a similar style so we do have that similar style of the suburban uh, based Welcoming and a welcoming environment. Yes, yeah and just really helping mainly local residents. I mean I do have people that travel, I mean I have lots of clients from the city that have been personally referred um, but a lot of it we're just servicing really the local community in each of the, the areas. Yeah. And how many lawyers do you have now? Um, so all together at the moment we've got about 11 lawyers across the offices um, and then we've got you know one going on maternity leave, you know some that are part-time um, as well um, but it bounces around the 11 at the moment with the latest office opening. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. Well, congratulations. I mean, you've obviously built a really successful firm, mm-hmm. you know, over the last decade. So. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um. So what's I guess, I mean, we'll lead into I guess the things we want to talk about. But I'm interested. What is it kind of that you do differently that, that you think is obviously it's gone well, so that yes. clients keep coming back or, or refer their their friends to you. What What is it that about your firm that you think is sort of, I guess, different? Um, Look, I think always um, from the starting point, um, my background's nursing, I'm actually a registered nurse and um, trained in critical care. Um, To me, communication's about 90% of what we do as a lawyer. So I've always prided myself on, I think I communicate quite well, particularly mm. in an area that's highly Bedside manner. That's yes, the best exactly. Nursing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's my background. So I came across to law, you know, over 15 years ago now with that perspective about how important it is to communicate. Mm. Um, and so I think, I, well, I hope that I instill that across all the offices because I'm obviously, it's only me that has that, but the culture of the firm, mm. I hope, brings that through. Uh, the other thing that we that I think we do really well um, is looking at the options for clients and trying to be commercially sensible. Mm. So one of the philosophies of the firm or part of our mission statement is to encourage settlement at each stage of the matter and that has always been something that I've instilled 
in my lawyers, um, as well as you know, starting out just myself with one secretary. It's always been the mission of the firm um, to look to people to be commercially sensible yeah. um, and to look at the options. Say so we can take this option. Obviously, people always have options in family law. Mm. Uh, this is what might happen and this is a cost estimate. This is what might happen. This is the cost estimate. And giving people the opportunity to um, look at the commercial reality of, of each of the options so they can make a decision. And look, I think that's really important. Like, um, you know, I think that that's one of the things that sort of, you know, we're not going to talk about that in detail today, but the ALRC, you know, whether or not you support or don't support some of the recommendations, the ideas behind it is about promoting efficient, the idea behind it is promote efficiency, yes. resolution at the earliest possible um, opportunity, whether or not, yes, you agree with the way they proposing one does it. Yes. Um, I mean, regardless of whether or not we have reforms or not, this is something I think that all practitioners, we're all empowered to be able to do this anyway, in a way. Absolutely. In a yes. way we practice. Uh, yes, I agree. And I think that um, I'm, I can't comment, I've worked in other firms. Um, in our initial consultation, we try to run through as much as we can. We take about an hour to an hour and a half and follow up in writing. Mm. So from the first stage of the matter, the client is aware of this is the process and this is what might happen. Mm. Um, we do send a cost agreement after the initial consultation, but moving on from that stage, if for instance it's an out-of-court settlement, which on our statistics about 80% about of our matters settle out of court, okay. which we're quite, quite proud of, that's, yeah, yeah, a huge amount settle, because at the initial consultation we do make it clear if you can move, for instance, towards consent orders or an out-of-court settlement, this is the cost mm -hmm. range. And if you're not, and it becomes more of a litigation matter, then this is the cost range. And I think those type of reality checks from the very beginning help mm. people uh, to focus more um, in what's really an emotional time. So, I mean, as you would know, emotion can run away and people get angry or upset. And can they can cost perspective. More. Yeah. yeah. So um, that we try to do that from the very initial meeting. So is yeah. there something like if you, in terms of looking at, it's not even really so much reform or anything, but... I guess it changed the way family laws practice. I mean, many practitioners, I think, hopefully do do it that way as well. But do you? Would you like to see more practitioners working in that? It's not exactly collaborative law, but that that way where they're looking to um, resolve matters at the earliest possible opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I have to make it clear that on on average, our matters are um, a, sub a suburban style matter. Mm. I mean, we do run more complicated matters. Obviously, we're mm. more than skilled to do that. But the reality is in the western suburbs, we're not seeing complicated structures. Um, we do see things like family trusts trust and, yeah, yeah, and companies, but and we often have multiple properties, but they're generally investment properties. Mm. So the, the matters are certainly not as complex. Um, so I'm talking more generally of, of more of the not suburbs huge matter. Examples, yeah. Yes, um, in those type of matters, I think there is definitely leeway for lawyers not to be um, narrow-minded in thinking that every matter must run in these particular steps and it mm. will cost a minimum of X amount. I think there's a lot of room to encourage early settlement and not get bogged down in multiple letters. Lots of financial disclosure of accounts that might only have $5 in them and asking for constant updates on them. I mean, I do see that um, from time to time and it, it does worry me. Or credit cards that are clearly bouncing around $5,000, mm. asking for multiple copies of this, you know, every three months. Why do we need to keep seeing a mm. credit card debt of 5000 I mean, It's interesting yeah. what you say. So it sort of sounds like, from your perspective, sometimes, not all, we're talking about some, but you see a trend of some lawyers that perhaps get caught up in kind of a process in kind of a, not, not narrow-minded, but like they're just following a certain process like, 
you know, they're delivering coal up the mountain. Yes, this is exactly. a process that they'll yes. be following yeah. without sort of maybe reality checking, is this the best way to do it? Exactly. What's the most efficient way to get from A to B? Yes. Would you like to see perhaps more of that? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, um, with the downturn in the property market, um, I think the medium price of properties in Sydney is probably going to be about a million dollars. As you can imagine, this side of Parramatta, your, your average medium price is below that. So if you're adding a home mortgage and a little bit of super, you may have a property pool under a million dollars. In my opinion, there's lots of leeway to be commercially sensible mm. and not spend a huge percentage of these parties' money on processes, yeah, on processes that aren't too much process driven. Yes, that's right. Yeah, mm. I mean, but certainly there's matters where that's called for, and mm. you do have to chase every rabbit up the hole and things like that. But I think that there's lots of leeway if we look at what is likely to be the pool of assets. Let's try to streamline it a little bit mm -hmm. and not get too bogged down. Mm -hmm. uh, the other issue is if you do have somebody on the other side that is more process driven, of course we have to respond to correspondence yeah, and we can't ignore people yeah. and so then costs do increase. So sometimes it's a one-sided argument where mm -hmm. you're trying to you know, keep things a little bit more amicable perhaps and, and encourage settlement but you know, the other lawyer may be more process driven, so we do have to we're along for the ride to some extent. Yeah, this is really yes. interesting. So you're talking about proportionality, I think, really, in yes. terms of like a proportional response. So perhaps not for lawyers, sometimes they get maybe too caught up in like processes when the asset pool is quite small, small and you're, yes. you're questioning whether or not that's really in the client's best interest. Yeah, yeah feasible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's silly on a two or $400,000 matter mm. to be eating up lots of fees, mm. uh, getting pieces of paper and getting a balance sheet correct. I mean, balance sheets are really important in mm, property sure. matters, of course. Uh, but if I know you've got you a credit account, account with $4 in it. And that's right. Like, exactly. <laughs> We're like, okay, yeah. So if you've verified at the beginning of the matter, okay, this account has minimal in it and this one, I mean, I don't think we need to keep rehashing that. Mm. I mean, you can streamline your balance sheet to some extent. Uh, in other matters, of course, we've got to obviously carefully check lots of pieces of paper and, and mm. keep going over that so there are going to be more expenses. Yeah. Mm. Um, the other thing that, um, that I see lots of benefit in the small property matters is arbitration, yeah. which is obviously... Yes. So you actually yes. are... Because there's been a big push. I went for a talk and I think Judge Harmon was talking about arbitration and yes. trying to encourage... Um, obviously, the court can't you know, force people to go to arbitration, no, but can't. he was trying to encourage people, to, lawyers to consider arbitration. Yes. And I do see that, like there is a big push for it from other judicial officers to arbitrate if possible. Like yes, Like they're absolutely. encouraging people. And you actually have, your firm has taken that up and done some arbitration. Absolutely. Have you found that to yes, be? Yes, really, really cost effective. Okay. Um, efficient as well. And also um, for the parties, um, talking about the emotion part of it, to wait in a court list for, in these type of matters, perhaps the half a million dollar property pool, to wait one to two years for a judge when you're not a priority matter because you're only property, uh, as opposed to going to arbitration, we've been able to have a referral to arbitration actually arbitrate in under three months. That's so fast. That's fast. really good, really good, because yeah. we're ready to go. Obviously, when we get referred out, we usually have our valuations ready and agreed balance sheet. Yeah. Um, and usually the parties have already been to conciliation conference or external mediation. Um, and then it's just a matter of actually prepping your, your affidavit and, and your updated financial um, statement. So we've found them really effective for the parties and also really cost effective mm. um, in proceeding that way. Um, I think that there are some lawyers that aren't quite on board yet, but I can see that it is moving I think it's ch changed yes. people. I think that, it's funny, I think law is one of the most kind of 
conservative, yes. you know, risk averse, change averse. Yes. Like if you look at other industries, there's big, you know, they're, they're more sort of, I don't know, keen to try new technologies. Of course, and yeah. I think that there more is innovative. that. Yeah, yeah, more innovative. And I, I would like to see more innovation in family law or more at least just open mindedness to it. Yes, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And I think, as you said, there's a fear if you're not quite sure or you've never done an arbitration. Mm. It would be hard to recommend that to your client, mm. um, but you know, everybody has to start. Start with one, yeah, yeah, and, and so course, you're saying it's been fine. Yes, it has. Any, everyone listening here, Kate's <laughs> hey, done really and she's had a positive experience. I have. I haven't had any negative experiences at all. Um, I have asked other lawyers when we've suggested arbitration what mm. their concerns are. One concern raised in a recent matter was that they felt there'd need to be detailed cross examination. That was better sure. in front of a Fair judge. Enough. Look, that obviously I took that on board and. Yeah. I mean, I disagreed, but I felt that, that that was the way that their case was proceeding and they did feel there'd need to be a lot of detailed cross-examination. Other than that, I haven't really been able to get any cogent feedback as to why people were just agreeing. Oh, it was just no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So I think that it's not for every matter. Um, in complex matters, it obviously probably wouldn't be suitable. Um, but certainly we've been able to, as I said, um, have referrals out. And the other good thing is the arbitrators uh, are, are on the panel mm. um, by AFLAM. And um, and on top of that, you can actually nominate your own. You can choose your yeah, own arbitrator. So, list of three, similar to an expert, any other mm. expert in the matter. List of three, and then the other party chooses one. But if you've got issues about that, then of course you can refer out to the mm. to the director, and they'll um, appoint somebody from their panel. So mm. everybody is obviously fully accredited, and there's mm. no, been no issues with the arbitrators. So it's good to be able to pick your decision maker. I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's from a list of three, mm. so nobody gets to you know no, nominate. Exactly. But yeah, so it is good um, in that respect for the clients as well. Um, and the other issue is, um, you know, the timing, being able to see who's available and the time frame for them, because that helps the parties decide as well often. Mm. Um, and, um, and, yeah, they've all been running really well, so we're very happy with that model. So I'm hoping everyone catches up. <laughs> for anyone Get on board. <laughs> it's been really Nothing good. to fear. <laughs> no, no, no. And, of course, it's only for property matters. So, mm. of course, there's still always the complex and, and any type of parenting matter it's not suitable for. This is simply property at the moment. Mm. And... The ones that we have arbitrated have been, you know, the pools have been around the million or, or thereabouts, so they're not huge property pools. And you felt that really in those matters it saved your clients time, money, they were happy to have it resolved in the three-month yes. window rather than who knows how long in court. So absolutely. Yeah. That was really value for your client yes. to do it that way. Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I've had no problems um, with the award being registered, obviously. Mm. I was going to ask about that because people yeah, have a fear about that they as do. well. I've had no problem. I've had no mm. problem even when, of course, not everybody's happy with decisions, as happens in, in court. With, yeah, um, with and I've had nobody actually object to the filing. Um, I'm aware that obviously can happen. We haven't experienced that. That could be a reflection of the size of the pool. People simply don't have the funds to keep arguing. <laughs> I'm not sure or, or if it's yeah. just that they've received advice you know, that it is within the range and, and, and what happens after there. But uh, we've certainly been happy with the decisions and had no issues with them being filed and proceeding mm. with the um, arbitration awards. That's great. Yeah, no, yeah. that's good. Really good, yeah. Is there anything else, I guess, that you're sort of seeing at the coalface with how family law is being practised that you'd like to see change or any other thoughts about that? Um, probably the only thing, um, and there's been obviously many articles written about this um, and I think we're talking about people's inflexibility to change there mm. is the process driven model of time recording mm. and I do see particularly where I've had clients referred to me and they've been somewhere previously unhappy or whatever's happened and looking at 
family law bills, where people are being charged for legal research or looking something up or going over, going over something and charge, charge, charge. And there's actually a benefit to the lawyer to be inefficient, if that makes sense. Mm. So the more inefficient you are, the more you can charge your client because it's mm. taking you longer. Um, and that does worry me to some extent that um, I think that in family law in particular... Where's the incentives? Where are the incentives lined up? Yeah, yes, exactly, yeah. So if you're going over the file or reviewing something or reviewing case law on something or looking something up and we're billing the client for that. So that is a bit of a concern and I've seen more and more of that happening mm. in cost issues. And um, what were the clients, were they unhappy about that or did they just kind of accept it as it was? Or uh, very they, unhappy, they unhappy, yeah, about saying, you know, why did my affidavit cost this amount? I've read it, it's a 14-page document, I provide information and then I've been charged to look something up or peruse something or research something. Mm. Um, so generally when it's a cost issue, it's related to unhappiness with the, the lawyer that's done the work, so... Um, so, so that's how you do it thing. then, so you don't charge for that sort of stuff, like researching things? No, or... no, we don't charge for legal research. In my opinion, if someone is researching... They're learning. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And, I mean, that would be more of an administrative task. Hmm. Um, so it may be entered, but it would be recorded as nil. As nil, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Perusal of an affidavit or proofreading. I mean, there's some merit yeah. in, in that because, you know, often clients are sending... A huge amount of notes sure. and things like that. Yeah. yeah, and it can be a bigger job sometimes than clients are aware. Yes, together those mm. documents. Mm. But are you seeing things you think where it's been what just too much, like triple double? Yes, that's right. Yeah, you yeah. know, research in this case or researching something, looking something up, mm. um, and if you're charging that to each client, I can see where people are doubting really. Is it this an effective like, way this... to deal with my matter and efficient? <laughs> to I guess deal the with my thing matter. is, is like when you're looking at a bill. I mean, we're all just people in the end. Like, what would if you received this bill? Would this be? Would you feel like that's reasonable or not? You know, mm. like that's how I, you know, do it when I, you know, do my bills. I'd be like, well, is this? Would, would I if I received this and saw this written on the invoice? Would I be like, okay, that's fair enough, or what the heck? Yes, <laughs> you I know, agree. That's, I agree. you just sort of got to re reality test yourselves as well as lawyers and yes. what you're charging for. Exactly, yeah. And I think there's a lot of pressure on junior lawyers for mm. the billable hour and the billable sure. amount. And so I'm not sure. I think that's a cultural thing depending on the firm. So I'm not sure you're going to change that. I was going to ask, what do you do at your firm? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you, what do you yeah. do? So we do, and obviously the, the lawyers do have budgets. I yeah, mean, it's, it's a business at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but as I said, we certainly don't charge for things like legal research. And we do charge per page for drafting of an affidavit, which mm -hmm. I think works a lot better for the clients. That's interesting. Yes. That is interesting. Um, I didn't yeah. know that. That's I mean, if we meet with the client, then we're charging them for the time to meet sure. them and sign off. But the actual drafting of documents is a per page, and I feel that's far more efficient. And the clients are probably more yes. maybe able to understand that. That's yeah. right, yeah. So your affidavit was this amount of pages, and it's per page, the charge. So, yeah, yeah that seems to work a lot better um, for the clients and um, obviously encourages the staff to be a bit more efficient um, as well mm -hmm. in getting things done. Uh, so that's probably the only other thing. Um, and also, obviously, mediations. We do a huge amount of mediations, either referring people to mediation or attending mediations with them if it's a property matter in particular. And yeah. I think that's a really effective way of dealing with family law matters. Mm. And yeah. it looks like from um, the ALRC recommendations, they're wanting to encourage people to do more yes. mediations in property as well. Yes, I absolutely yeah. agree. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic way to deal with things. Um, I do find, depending on, on parties, some people can't afford the cost initially of a private mediation for half a day, particularly if they're the non-breadwinner. 
Um, but I think there should be ways around that or mechanisms to deal with that because that's probably the only thing that I see that impedes people mm. initially approaching private mediation mm. as a way forward. Um, I think the other thing that concerns me about mediation is the um, government-funded centres, particularly out here in the western suburbs, have significant delays. How long are the delays? Um, so the last client, and I, I'm not quoting, I haven't called in the last yeah, few weeks, but I did have a client two weeks ago that quoted a four to five month delay Ooh. from initial contact to actually getting to mediation. And in my opinion, in parenting matters, that is way too long, particularly for young children. Um, but I think it's an evidence of the demand for that that type of model and the demand for a cheaper way to mediate. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, obviously, the government-funded um, centres, my understanding is there are a few processes to go through before you actually get to your face-to-face mediation, so they all take time. It sounds like they're underfunded, though. Like yeah. They could probably do with more mediators, more funding. Yes. I mean, I, don't, I haven't looked into this in detail. No. But just from no. what you're saying, that doesn't sound... That, that concerns me as well, that that's families right. are waiting that long. Yes. You know, no yeah. criticism of the centres themselves. No, that's right. But the yeah. funding behind it, you know, does sound perhaps that it's too limited. That's right, yeah. I mean, I think that there's an expectation for somebody not exercising time with the children to be able to call up, book in and get in within a month, for example. Yeah. And being very disheartened when they find out that the delays are quite extensive. And then they're sort of like, well, it's over. It really depends on can they afford private media. That's right. Not everyone can, and so mm. there are issues mm. around that. So, look, that's, that's a good point in terms of access to mediation, like yes. real access to a timely mediation. That's right, yeah. And often when they've made contact, they believe they're going in for an initial intake and then they're told the process. So they may be able to get into intake quite quickly, but when they're querying, when do I actually get to get to this big where I'm talking about yeah, my kids? Yeah. Um, and yeah, the last client quoted that he was in the process for around four and a half months before he actually got to the mediation stage. So, um, and he's not the only person that's mentioned those type Long of delays. Long months, several months delays. Yes. Um, and with the, with the centres, it, it is far cheaper though. I mean, it's scaled based on income, which I think is a fabulous way to deal with it when they are government funded. Um, so that does help those lower income earners and yeah. you know, people on Centrelink, etc. It so. just would be good if the delays weren't. I know, I know. So that's the only other thing I'm noticing, and I'm not sure. I can't comment. Problem with the coal face, yeah. Yeah, closer to the city or anything like that. I mean, that's more just the this side of yeah, yeah, Parramatta um, that we've noticed here in Sydney. But um, that's the only other thing. For anyone listening to this, because I know that obviously a lot of family lawyers and other people that work in the family law area like listen to this, but some some just ordinary people, mums and dads, husbands yes. and wives, people listening to this. Mm-hmm. Do you have any? I guess tips or, or for them if they're going through a separation what do you think it's some things they should think of um, look I think um, knowledge is power in my opinion and coming from a background of nursing Google is not a doctor <laughs> <laughs> and Google is not a lawyer um, so it's fantastic uh, that's, right. Is not a lawyer. <laughs> that's right yes um, yeah Google does not have a law degree um, and look I, I think it's a profession wide issue as I said in nursing people Googled and everybody had cancer but that's not true um so i think that for people that knowledge is power absolutely look things up and arm yourself with information but i do highly recommend seeing a specialist family lawyer um you know most firms offer one-off initial consultations even if you just do that and then decide to self-represent from there or negotiate with the other party I do. Uh, Get I'm some legal advice early. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it could be just immediately after separation, just to think what may lie ahead, even if you're still working on the marriage, for example. Mm. I think just knowing that you, 
things will be okay or having that knowledge about what the next steps might need to be. Mm. I think there's a perception in the community that once you go to a lawyer, it's thousands of dollars and you're on this That's it, you're, going, you're heading for final yeah, hearings. <laughs> I know. And people come in and ask the most amazing questions because everybody has a theory or everybody's friends done something and... And everybody's been telling my them what's going to happen. Yes, there is yeah. a fear, isn't it? I mean, it's it's kind of like men's. <laughs> I'm generalising. My husband's fear of the doctor. You know, yes. like people go, oh, it's that, like something or something happened to me. I'll turn into a toad if I yes, don't see right, a lawyer. That's right. You know, yeah. but you can get private advice. No one has to know. You know, exactly. It's, it's confidential. Yes, and yeah. it doesn't even have to go beyond that if you just. You just have that initial session and then decide what you're going to do. Absolutely. Or even as you may experience, have the session so you can go to mediation yourself and happily settle the matter and be confident that, well, I've been, you know, roughly advised that this, this is was the end range. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, you may go in blind and be arguing the completely wrong points or completely off tangent um, and be concerned about, you know, the way that you're proceeding. So I find initial consultations are fantastic mm. um, and there shouldn't be any strings attached. I mean, you know, most firms do offer a model that you can see the lawyer and then basically the ball's in your court. If you want if to you come, come back, back you come back. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't be obviously continually charged when, you know, you've just had the one initial consultation, obviously. So... Um, and you can I, clarify that as a lawyer. Like if you're absolutely. booking in, just ask about what the initial arrangement is for an initial consultation. What's the cost going to be? Yes. And is there any obligation beyond that and how that works? Yes, that's Always right. ask, I think, is important. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, it's a, it is wonderful to see people where they've asked a few questions and they're only there for initial consultation. And you can see the visible relief. Right, mm. I understand now. I know where things might be headed. Mm. Yes, I am entitled to this. Or yes, this is how it might proceed. Well, even if it's no, actually, I'm not entitled to that. That's either. right. Yeah. At least, At least they know. know. Yeah. Yes. So I do find that a really good thing in, in the stages of separation. And the other great advice I can offer to people that are going through that process is that you can't change personalities. So yeah. you've separated with your former partner, particularly where children are involved. You know them better than anyone else. Um, I, I, it amazes me when people want to be writing in all these restrictions on somebody that has never changed for the last 20 years and all of a sudden, we've, or 10 years, and we've got children and suddenly we want to be arguing points that we know they're just not going to agree to or it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, what I always say is look at the personality of the person and if you know they're not going to change, well, then maybe we have to change the approach or what we're proposing or look mm -hmm. at other ways to, to deal with that issue, uh, particularly if you're concerned about the children or concerned about the impact of that behaviour rather than trying to change the other party, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think it's, look, it's not exactly the same point, but on a related point, um, I mean, obviously, if it's something serious or serious risk of harm, that's, you know... Uh, completely yeah. separate, but yes. But I do sometimes think clients, and I don't mean to sound disrespectful here, but they need to lower their expectations a bit of the other parent. They yes. can't, like, go in and be there and watch them all the time and manage their parenting. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, you see things where they're like, oh, you know... Hey, the child. I'm, I'm obviously different in cases where maybe the child's obese or whatever, but child's getting McDonald's occasionally with dad or mum, like yes. maybe just let it go, you know, yes. or something like that. It wouldn't be how you would parent because you would only feed your child organic food right. or something. That's maybe right. just let it go a little bit. People do parent differently. And yes, there's cases of abuse and serious risk of harm, but there's also a, like a 
to, a, a sort of a, a different types of parenting that are all still acceptable types of parenting. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I mean, of course, we, we also do quite a bit in children's law, which mm. is separate, obviously, jurisdiction. But it comes up. It does, it does. And um, in family law, opposite to children's law in the specialist children's court, because obviously they are serious risk of harm mm. cases and we do have to be quite strict in what orders mm. are put in place. In family law, I like to take the approach, is it good enough parenting? Mm. And I think that phrase gets tossed around a lot. But that basically means, as you've said, it's not a superstar. They're not getting, you know, father or mother of the year. They're not getting a badge. Mm. But it is good enough. Mm. And it's um, not something that you want to be spending a lot of money on mm. uh, to argue. Um, and there are some of those factors, as you said, like the McDonald's, if they have the children okay, yeah, twice okay, a month, yeah, if they go, go to McDonald's, yeah. then, yeah. Just let it go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's hard. I mean, when people separate, it's a really... Stressful. It's a loss time. of control, and they feel a yeah. loss of control, and I think that manifests in wanting to control things sometimes. Yes. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and control the other party. Mm. Yeah, so um, so that's probably the only other um, factor that sort of comes to play words of wisdom. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, look, thank you so much um, for chatting with me today. So if anyone wants to track you down, they can find you um, on what's your website again? Uh, just www.rafton.com.au. Yeah, um, and as and offices in, in in many places, but you're particularly where you're based is Richmond. Yes, is right? yes. Yeah. So I'm mainly based in the Hawkesbury, and then of course we have all the offices across um, the other part of Western Sydney. Cool. Well, thanks very much for chatting with me, Kate. And I'm um, Zoe Durand. Um, please get in touch with me if you're listening to this at www.mediationanswers.com.au. Thanks for listening in, um, and we'll um, listen in again next time. <laughs>